You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Osell. I'm an architect at this.labs. Today, we're very excited to sit down and talk with Jordan Powell about Cypress, all things Cypress. I don't even know whether to just say end-to-end testing or component testing or what, and we'll get into that, but we're going to be talking about Cypress today. Jordan is a uh, developer experience engineer at Cypress and a GDE in Angular. Jordan, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. It's, uh, you know, what an honor. I'm, I'm excited to be on the podcast. So. Yeah, a little bit of inside baseball. Uh, this is our first podcast we're recording in 2023, so a new year, a new us. I won't ask you if you have any resolutions because to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure that I believe in resolutions as much as uh, I went into the new year with uh, a mantra or like a, a theme. I've been doing themes the last couple of years, which I've really enjoyed. So I don't know. How about you? Are, are you a resolutions person? No, like I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I, like I'm pretty self-motivated person. Like I'm always like pretty self-reflective. So like, it's not that I don't believe in like resolutions. Like, Hey, if anyone, like if, I'm all for supported people that want to like make dress, like change, change for the better in their life. Uh, but I would say in general, like, I feel like there's like nothing major I want to fix in my life. I just want to like continue to live my best self. Right. I want to, you know, continue to uh, have a, a good year. Uh, you know, I'm excited that, uh, you know, just, I want 2023 to be another, you know, good year, like 2022 was and, and so forth. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, 2022, my theme was enough. Uh, yeah. You know, the concept of enough being satisfied and, and that has yeah. profound ways in, in all parts of life and in work, honestly, uh, 2023, I think my theme is is ship it, which is kind of a carry on of enough uh, yeah, to realize yeah. when you've done enough and it's time to just ship it. So uh, that's my that's my theme for, for this year. I, I don't know if I have a good enough word for it yet, but that's the that's the crux of the idea. I'm hoping to to bring forward into the into the year is is to be a force of saying this is good enough let's go live because i've been a bit taken lately by how you know some effort and some rework really causes things to be much better but also how um there are some really janky things where you can look at a library or a blog or a video and you could see all sorts of things that are wrong with it but people get value out of it it's successful it works and you're like oh, things don't have to be perfect to be successful. Mm. And I just found that to be a very sort of profound thought. So that's my, that's my theme for the year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that uh, thankfully I'm, I've generally don't struggle with this as much as most people do, but I would say like, I always want to think about like, I'm sure there's like some, uh, some law for this, but basically like, I want to try to find the, like the, the tipping point where it's like my efforts and my time like hit the point where it's like yeah i can make this better but like the amount of effort more i have to put on it is not really going to increase the quality of the thing that much more and uh but that's where like you know to shift gears you know even to, you know to like cypress and testing like that's where it's great is like if you can have you get something like really close and if you have really good test coverage like refactoring and things like that is like really easy then later because because like you can then feel confident, like getting like at the end of the day, like if we're shipping products, we want to get like good feed. We want to get feedback quick and often, right? Like we want to know if it's, is it great? Is it terrible? Like we're like, it's really great, but it falls short here. Like 
that feedback is really valuable. And so if we can, uh, you know, get that feedback as soon as possible and like iteration is, is like key, especially like in the startup world and, you know, the tech world, you want to get, you know, ideas out quick and fast. But like, that's where, you know, that's one of the things I like about testing is like, it allows you to really lean into that if you do it right. But sometimes we get, uh, you know, we, we can, we can even, you know, not make time for things like testing, you know, and then, and then we can, then it's like, well, now I have to iterate on something that I don't really know if I'm breaking it and they can, can, can definitely uh, shoot yourself in the foot. You know, that's, that's definitely possible, but, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I, uh, I think that we can definitely become, it could definitely become problematic when we, when we, we become so focused on, on perfection. And, and there's like, I was saying like perfection is like the, the enemy of good or something like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, it's, I, I like that thing. Well, let's pivot then all the way to Cyprus. And, you know, people that have been listening to the podcast over the years knows we've talked about Cyprus many times over the years, uh, from back when it was strictly an end-to-end tool that primarily could operate in Chrome uh, and was a promising new technology to now where it is a very mature and feature-rich technology running in all sorts of browsers. And I think nowadays, I don't think it's correct to even just call it an end-to-end testing tool anymore, uh, now with the advent of component testing. And to be perfectly honest, people have found all sorts of ways to use this as a browser automation tool um, for things that aren't even testing related. So I'm curious for now, how do you all see Cypress? Do you still see it as strictly a testing tool? Do you have aspirations to just be a, a browser automation tool more broadly? Like what, how should people understand Cypress at least right now in 2023? Sure. That's a great question. I would say, um, you know, as we're sitting, like, I think that, you know, probably within the next few months, like Cypress is going to cross like 5 million downloads a week. So, I mean, like, it's wild to work on a tool that's like so popular. And, and I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like blown away by like, this is like the coolest thing ever. But the one thing I would say, like, that really separates, I believe Cypress from, you know, a lot of other testing frameworks is that like, Cypress is really focused, uh, it's it's less focused actually about writing tests and like automation than it's more focused about like the quality of your of your app the quality of your application. And what I mean by that is like a lot of other frameworks, you know, are focused on like basically automating, like for example, like some a tools like Selenium or or even like Playwright is another like, you know, it's one of the frameworks that often gets compared with Cypress. But really, both of those are very fundamentally different than Cypress. Those frameworks essentially automate your browser to interact with your application. But Cypress actually automates your application itself because it lives in the same runtime in the browser as your application. And so there's a lot of fundamental differences with that. So I would say, um, you know, without going into the weeds of it, but it'd be like, it's like if, you know, if, if I were to uh, write you a letter, right, and say, hey, uh, I want, you know, I just had like the, you know, if I were to invite you over to my house to have dinner, you know, there would be like lots of conversations, like there'd be like, you know, very like intimate, like great time, right? And, and, and it would be hard to basically tell someone else like what happened at the dinner. You could say, oh, we talked about this and we talked about this, but it wouldn't be the same experience as like being in in my house and having dinner and like all, all those rich things. So I think that like, that's kind of the difference is like, you know, the, with Cypress, you're automating the browser and, and we really feel like 
beyond just testing and like writing tests. And like you said, we started as an end-to-end tool and um, you know, it's still like our bread and butter. It's still the thing that like people love and will continue to do probably forever with Cypress. But like now you can do component testing, you can do API testing. There's lots of different ways you can use Cypress. And the reason why is because the fact that like we're really focused on becoming like an overall quality of your application tool and not just like, hey, my test passed, like ship the product, right? You know, it's interesting because the the traditional testing pyramid puts end-to-end at the very pinnacle with with very, with sparse coverage. And I think the reason for that, maybe people don't talk about as much because they mm. just sort of implicitly understood that to be the case. But I think that a lot of the reason for that isn't because the tests aren't valuable. In fact, I think a lot of people would agree that they're the most valuable. Mm-hmm. It was just that they were so expensive to create, so expensive to execute. And I think what's been interesting about Cypress, and you may agree with this, is that it is lowering the cost of end-to-end mm-hmm. testing, which is then sort of allowing us, and I, I've seen you do this in slides, sort of increase the share of the testing pyramid that end-to-end testing uh, can take up. And to be honest, because of the quality of those tests, because you really are as close to the real user experience as you can be at that point, this is an exciting time for sort of software validation, that there can be this kind of tool that is lowering the cost of end-to-end so we can have more of these tests. Because I I do find that they are oftentimes more intuitive to write even um, and to understand as a a developer than maybe some, some forms of unit testing and some forms of integration testing. I don't know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's really astute. And and that's one of the things that um, you're right. And that like, the reason why we had the pyramid is because testing was like, we, we started to see the value of it because we, we began to like, like we used to just do this huge waterfall approach and we would like build the thing and then we test it until we were like, I think hold our fingers, like it's going to be good. And we'd ship the product. But then like we realized like it's not like a scalable way because like we we talked kind of in the intro is like we want to be able to get quick feedback. So it's like in order to get quick feedback, we need to ship sooner and often. And that's where we began to see like, hey, we need a way to automate the the quality of our application. So that's where we began to write tests. We're like, well, we can write unit tests pretty quickly, but you know, and they're valuable to you as the developer, but they mean nothing to the user, right? Like the user doesn't they don't know the functions you're you're calling or like the logic. They don't really care. Like they just want to make sure their experience is great. And I use the example like with component testing, you know, as an example, it's like the way we have traditionally tested components is basically by testing unit testing the methods of, of those classes. Right. Which is, I always find uh, like for the most part, a kind of a, a useless exercise. Um, I'm one for one, like I don't really, I'm not a big fan of putting a bunch of logic and components to begin with, but then it's like, uh, it, it just felt like a lot of a heavy lift for like not a lot of value. And like, if I was redoing the pyramid today, like I would probably put like unit testing components, like at the very top, like the thing that I would want to do the least, to be honest with you. But the, like, even to go beyond that, it's like, you know, our frameworks have changed. Like the way we build our compo- our applications are different. Like now, we're pretty much adopted like component driven development, whether it be React or Angular or Vue or like no matter what the framework is, like we've pretty like for the most part kind of gone all in on this idea. And our applications are like comprised of like pretty much like all components, right? Like React, everything is a component in Angular, like everything eventually becomes a component, right? And, but it's like, we don't really have like until like 
what I believe like Cypress, we didn't really have like a good way to even test these things because it's like oftentimes if I'm refactoring my, my, you know, if I'm writing a test for my component, like I still don't really know confidently that the users are going to have a great experience with the component. I'm just testing my logic and kind of hoping like cross my fingers, like the, the interactions a user has with it, or we would basically like try to cover in an end to end test, which is good, but it's like, you don't really get the isolated experience that you, you get with component testing. Um, but then on the flip side of that too, is like, you know, our applications are changing. We're refactoring, we're changing things. And it's like, if I'm, if I have a button component, the, the, you know, users only care that when they click the button, like the thing happens that they care about. Right. So it's like, you know, if we were to refactor or make changes to our component, most, most of the time, if we were just unit testing those methods, it would break something, right? Like something would, you know, we'd, we'd change something and the test would, would, would break because our implementation changed. Um, but so then we'd rewrite the unit test, but nothing really like safeguarded the user experience from like changing. Right. But that's what I love about component testing is you test your components uh, with component testing and end to end the way users interact with your application. So you're testing it as if a browser, a user like goes and clicks the button. They don't care the implementation under the hood. It's like most people, they don't care like a car that they're driving. They don't care that, uh, you know, they don't care what's under the hood. They just want to make sure, Hey, is it, is it safe? Is it going to be reliable? Like all those types of things. So I, I think that, you know, to answer your questions in a lot of words, I think that, uh, you know, that's one of the things that is really one of my favorite parts about, uh, about Cypress is that the way the fundamental difference in way it goes about testing is good in, in a, in a really valuable way to not only, you as a developer, but you, but ultimately our end users, because if we're testing the way our users are using the application, I feel much more confident as a developer, um, like that the, the things I'm shipping are, are going to be more valuable. I've never been good at like manually testing the work, I, like the, the code I'm writing, but I feel much better when I have like good Cypress coverage because I end up having, it forces me to think like a user in a way that I wouldn't necessarily do it because users are always like working, like they're, they're thinking the opposite way as a developer. Developers start from the beginning and work to the end. Uh, really users are like from the end, you know, working their self towards you. So I think that it's like a flip in your brain you have to make, but when you're writing Cypress tests, it forces you to think like that, think like the user. And I think just generally that behavior is a good practice to, to have, you know, for developers. Yeah. It's really interesting too, because I agree with you that I think that especially in front end development, unit testing has sort of replaced end to end testing as the peak of the pyramid, because for the longest time, I feel like engineers just sort of understood or believed that unit testing was really uh, possible with components. And I think that Kent C. Dodds and his work with uh, testing library mm -hmm. really helped us learn that a lot of the ways that we were quote unquote unit testing components were in ways that were not how users saw components. We were testing to see that variables changed or that outputs or inputs shifted or that particular DOM appeared inside of, you know, the thing when really we wanted to know, was there a clickable button there? You know, was yeah. it, uh, was the form interactable and uh, in, in those types of things. And, and as soon as developers started unit testing in that direction, I think suddenly then they look at Cypress and they go, 
well, I'll just use Cypress because <laughs> it's sure. doing that as well. Um, and, it, and, and when you add the component testing piece, now it's doing that in an isolated way, which is, uh, well, isolated in this sense being um, that component isolated from the rest of the pages that it might appear on. And now all of a sudden that value prop just starts skyrocketing. Uh, sure. Because it's a, it's, it's a very, it's a very um, fun tool. It's a very uh, empowering tool to use uh, with all the different ways that you can use to create the test. Yeah. And the, and the cool thing like with component testing is like when you would unit test, you would basically end up mocking all your dependencies, right? Like you would like use, like if you're an Angular, you would use like instead of like HTTP client module, you'd use HTTP client testing module. Or like if you're using like, uh, you know, a Redux store of some sort, instead of like using the actual store, you'd use like either a mock store or like a lot of libraries like NGRX would ship with like, a, they provide their own mock store that makes testing, unit testing easy. But when you're using component testing, you actually use the actual implementation. So uh, it actually becomes like, a actually useful test because it's like at the end of the day, like what we would do is we would unit test like, Hey, when I click this button an action gets dispatched and we could like spy that the right action got dispatched with the right, with the right uh, like props or something. And then like we would unit test our store, like the reducers and selectors and things like that. And like those, I still advocate for doing those things, but from a user standpoint, like you don't care about any of that stuff. You just want to know like, Hey, when I click this button that this message appears or something like that, and like you actually get that full, it's like a mini end-to-end -end test when you're doing component testing because you're actually using the actual production instances of, of those services and classes and dependencies that you just don't get with unit testing. So I'm with you. The, the, when I actually heard the, the idea of component testing for the first time when I started Cypress, I was not at all sold. I was like, this is like a, this is a, like a marketing ploy. Um, but like, to be honest with you, the more I use it, the more I see the value in it and the more I believe in it. And, and I think that um, the more and more people use it, the more it, the light bulb will go off and like, oh, like I've actually been testing like quote unquote wrong for so many years. Um, and you'll see like, oh, this is so much more uh, not only a valuable test, but honestly, writing test is like immensely easier because you don't have to like worry about mocking dependencies and like, what are the things I care about? Like, it's just much more straightforward. You mount your component, you begin writing tests, the way a user interacts with it and you're done. Like, it's just easier, it's more valuable and it's like a win-win all across the board. Yeah, I think what, what got me excited about it when I was thinking about it, because, you know, I, I did see it as sort of a way to facilitate the writing of what we were calling unit testing of, of front-end components. But suddenly then I started thinking about Storybook. And I started thinking about design, uh, design systems and uh, component libraries and web components. And I started to realize that this is going to be an incredibly potent way to ship reliable component libraries. Um, developers are so used to already with Storybook being able to just take a component in isolation, showcase it in all of its different modes of operation. And now on top of that, you're going to be able to accompany it with a suite of, of Cypress tests that make sure that its functionality uh, maintains moving forward throughout changes. Whereas, you know, previously maybe that was less possible or you had to test a whole page of it with other things. And mm -hmm. um, I suddenly got kind of excited that way. I'm like, wow, like we are really going to start shrinking the amount of infrastructure and code necessary to ship reliable 
pieces of applications. Like the idea that we can have all phases of that reliability and at the component level and ship it as, as an independent unit, that is a really exciting time for software development as well as maybe open source development and, and the sharing of resources uh, across people. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, how we did this before is we would basically like create a, and the thing we loved about Storybook, it's like you actually saw the components in isolation. It wasn't like this dot on a terminal where like, uh, this unit test pass. It was like, oh, it actually runs in the browser and I can see it in different states um, in isolation, which is really valuable. And you'll find when you're using component testing, the the most valuable part about it is like, it it's actually like a tool for TDD and like, you you create a new component, you mount it in Cypress, and like and you don't have to like add it to your application or like add it to some page and then visit the page and then do the thing to interact with it. You literally just like like side by side with your and your with your editor, like make a change, save it like instantaneously saves and, and reappears and re-renders in Cypress. And you get this like very, very rich uh production like uh experience like as a developer that that's going to really like mimic the user um but how we used to so like how we used to do this before is we would basically like create a storybook and then we would use cypress to end-to-end test our components to like inside of storybook to make sure like they work and actually it it blows my mind like how many people have have done that and, and it and it wasn't like the reason why we created component testing but it's funny because now that basically like it really eliminates the need for people to have to do that, right? Because now you could just mount the component directly and and just test automatically. And it kind of bridges the gap because it's like you have end-to-end, like oftentimes we would write into like almost too much end-to-end tests because we wanted to get the the whole experience you get with Cypress and the value that it brings just so we could test like an isolated component in inside of like the scope of a page with other things. But now it's like, it can actually like, scale down a lot of our end-to-end tests we don't have to write as many of them and we can uh kind of replace some of those with component tests and then it kind of like bridges the gap between that like a pure end-to-end test and and a or like a unit test and like a storybook where it's like it's visual but it doesn't have really any assertion level on top of it because like that's what i love it's like you're getting storybook when you're creating the thing and then it's like but by the end, like you have assertions too. So you kind of get the best of both worlds and, 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 and it's, um, yeah, I just really like it. It's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about and, and use now. So, so we, yeah, we've been talking about this component testing. It, it just came out of beta, um, or it went into general access, I guess I'm, however you guys do the nomenclature in, in version 11, uh, yeah. you, you all were on fire at the end of the year. Cause there's already a version 12 out as well with some really cool features in it, but, um, so we have this component testing feature now, and for people that are used to writing some of those tests for front-end unit testing, this idea of just having some sort of testing framework dot mount and giving it a component mm-hmm. might feel very familiar to them. Of course, it's operating very differently in how it's actually executing underneath the hood and, and in practice. But how should people understand or be aware of what they need to do beyond just mounting? like? Um, you know, now that they have this sort of end-to-end paradigm in this component testing, what are the sort of pitfalls when it comes down to how much of their, uh, you know, surrounding uh, modules and, um, you know, service layer 
will it bring in and how much should they be using mocking to remove that? How much should they be using the, the ones that are there? Like what should people be aware of as they're starting to write these component tests? Yeah, so there's a couple like fundamental differences um, between component testing and end-to-end -end testing. For the most part, it feels almost identical and it looks almost identical, but there are a couple of fundamental differences. With end-to-end -end tests, um, basically Cypress, the initialization of a test is basically predicated by the visiting of a URL. So you have to first visit some browser URL to essentially initialize like the first step of a test. And then from there, you begin interacting with the DOM elements and making assertions and, and basically like um, imitating a user. You, you do the same thing with component tests, but instead of visiting a URL, like there is no concept of routing or anything like component testing. So instead of visiting a URL, you mount a component. So that's, that's one fundamental difference. Uh, another fundamental difference is uh, because uh, you you know, we mentioned the routing, you, uh, Cypress end-to-end -end testing basically depends upon your, uh, your, the application that you're testing to be served by something, you know, it doesn't care what it is. Like it's a, a local server, a, a local host, or, uh, you know, maybe it's like some production URL or staging URL or whatever, like, but the idea is like, it depends upon your the bundling and compiling and everything of your your application to be on another server and then you just point cypress to visit that server and 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 basically it installs cypress into that into that application uh and uh via an iframe and then basically interacts with your application the difference with component testing is that because uh it it it, it operates very differently in that we actually ship the dev server with you because uh, components are are basically have a dependency upon the frameworks themselves. So like React uh, operates very different than Vue and, and, and Angular and Svelte and so forth. And so we actually ship dev servers uh, directly like as a part of component testing, which believe it or not is like significantly more difficult than people would imagine and was like, blew my mind how difficult that step was to build actually. But uh, so that's a, a fundamental difference is like, you don't have to like serve your application to run component testing. You just run Cypress uh, in component testing mode. And it will basically, it's like what it does is essentially builds your application or not your application, your component, like compiles your component the way your application would in like a completely blank page, right? So it's like taking a chunk of your of your application the way you would run it, serve it, and then serve it inside of Cypress by itself. So that's kind of like fundamentally what it does. And so what that means is, uh, when finally to get at the other part of what you're talking about is, you don't want component tests to have dependencies upon external systems like with end-to-end -end tests you can do a pure like a full end-to-end -end test where you're calling making full round trip uh, api calls to a service that uh you know writes to the database and reads from it and, and so forth um which you wouldn't want to do that with component tests so component tests are like unit tests in the fact of like you don't want to have integrations between external systems um so you we what you do with component testing is you use a method in Cypress called CIDA intercept, which essentially 
it's a, it runs in a proxy layer layer inside of the Cypress app and it essentially intercepts requests made via HTTP. And you basically say, for example, like testing like a login form or something, like something we would do that's pretty common in a lot of apps. Um, like normally how we would do this is we would like, we would have like a, if we wanted to do a real end-to-end test, we would like have a successful username and log, uh, username and password that we would send across. We'd make sure it gets 200 and then it, make sure like the app either like displays a successful, successfully, like you successfully like logged in message or it redirects to like, you know, like a, a, a login, like a, I don't know, a dashboard page or whatever. Or if you, you want to also test like a bad user and all those edge cases, what's like with component testing and side of intercept, it's really easy. Just mount your form. And basically you like, you don't want to make an actual request. You just intercept the request that, that the form makes and say, and just say, return to 200. And then you can validate that the response uh, the message that displays or whatever is this is what you expect as well as like like 404s 500s all the different error codes are like really easy to do because uh because you're intercepting those requests so it's so this is like the part that gets confusing for people is that it's isolated like a unit test right and you don't want external dependencies like like you would with an end to end test but you test the way you do an end-to-end test where it's like you it's like you you think about it the way a user would and it's it's more like a pure end-to-end even though you're not you're not doing a real end-to-end like uh like requests and things like that so i don't know if that makes sense but it, it gets confusing because you use the actual production uh dependencies but you don't want to actually make those like you wouldn't use a, a a mock HTTP client. You would use the actual HTTP client, but you would intercept the request so that it doesn't actually go and make the request. So that's the the part that people kind of get hung up on and like, oh, it's a unit test. And it's like, it kind of is, but it's kind of not. And again, yeah. it goes back to that pyramid. We're like, what is this thing? I don't know where, I don't know in my brain, like where to put it, right? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't appreciate how similar and different those concepts were because when you just conceptualize component testing with Cypress, I think your brain wraps around it more simply. Like, you're, oh yeah, okay, I just, it's testing, but I just at the component level. Yeah, it totally makes sense because you've used those testing frameworks maybe that just mount a component. So you have that mental model just works, but that is quite profound because yeah, intent testing would usually hit a lot more, but when you isolate down to the component level, that could become a nightmare because if yeah. you hit the actual d- server, uh, and it comes back with a 401, well, then you, you like in Angular, you would expect interceptors maybe to activate and reroute you to another page. Well, that router yeah. would then activate another component. That's not the component under test. So uh, suddenly you have to be careful, I guess, um, mm. what you are testing to, to keep it isolated to that component uh, is what you're testing. So does that mean then that there are types of components which are not natural fits for this? Or is this are, are there ways that people should be developing to be more testable with this component testing? Or is it not as constrained as, as that, as long as you're doing a good job of doing these uh, intercepts and uh, spies where necessary? Yeah, I would say I actually haven't really found a good example where it is a constraint. Because um, at the end of the day, like, you can you can do tests that feel very end to end like because like you could just like in Angular you could just mount your app component or like 
in React, you could just mount your t- highest level component and it will look like you just served your application, right? The difference is, is like, you know, anytime you try to navigate to a different page or something like that, it, it will basically blow up. Like it's not going to work like that, right? So like, that's the thing that you want to think about. And I think that, you know, really if we like take a step back and we begin to think about like where the web is going and, and we're like trying to decouple as much of, of our code and infrastructure and make it as flexible as possible. I think that that's where, I think honestly, like component testing makes a really good use case for even like micro front ends where it's like we where routing is almost like a new app, you know, a micro application. It's like you could essentially like component test each, you know, micro app by itself because you're not like doing this notion of, of, of like routing and things like that. So I don't know. I think that in general, it's, it's, it's very flexible. Like you can do a lot of really uh, great things. I would say, I always tell people like, how do I get started? Like the thing I always like to tell people is, you know, if you have unit tests for all your components and you're like happy with them, like, Hey, if you want to rewrite them, like, Hey, I, I love that. But like, I'm not going to like, you know, you know, hit you upside the head because you're not rewriting all your tests or something. But I would say like, for me, anytime I'm building something new, rewriting a component, something like that, like it's a really good time to, to use component testing because it, it's not only a testing tool, it's also like a building tool that helps, uh, helps you build your components along the way. Like I said, it gets you that TDD, like quick feedback loop, but also like anytime you're refactoring a component, it's also really valuable because uh, it's really easy before you start, write a component test that can test the functionality of that component and then refactor the internals of of your app, of that component because you're going to break your unit tests if they're there. But if by the end of the refactor, it's still your component tests still pass, like that's the thing that your users care about. And the implementation can change, but the, the value it brings to the user uh, doesn't have to change, right? So I think that that's the thing that, is is really great. It decouples the 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 implementation from like the actual like results for the user. So that that's one of the things that I think is is really cool. One of the things that component testing brings into play that um, maybe people aren't as familiar with uh, with with other Cypress testing or at least the Cypress philosophy is with its ability to put in like output spies um, and other types of mocks to, to do things that, again, people would do in some of those traditional unit testing frameworks. Um, but we have talked about, you know, the sort of the Cypress methodology, which is to test as your users would see. And users don't usually mm-hmm. see the outputs. But I can understand that there will inevitably be circumstances where the only way to know that something was going to happen for the user is to monitor some of these spies. So how do you work when you're working with teams or when you're working with these component tests how do you try to strike a balance between when you're reaching for these output spies in your test versus when you're just checking to see if things are visible or labels are correct or things are progressing, you know, sort of as the, in the component DOM space, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, like a buttons are a great example um, because um, one, everyone knows what a button is. We've all interacted with them like our whole lives. Um, but buttons, like when we click them, most of the time users don't know what actually happens, right? Like, unless you like open your dev tools, you don't know like, oh, some request got made. Like sometimes a message gets displayed and we're like, oh, I think it was good, right? Like, you know, like, but most of the time, like a submit button, we don't know what happens, right? We just know like when we click it, like I get rerouted or something happens from a user and I'm like, okay, that's good. Well, 
I guess this is another reason how component testing is like unit testing, which then confuses people too. But it's like what you want to do is like a button most of the time will like output like a, a, a callback function, like as a prop in React or like an event emitter in, in Angular or something like that. Basically, it's going to communicate with a parent like, hey, I was clicked. I don't care what you do with it, but I did my job, right? The only way to test that is to actually test that that communication, that message was being sent, right? And so that's where uh, like using a, a Cypress Spy is really, really uh, a, a great use case. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, um, end-to-end tests are great because you can test the whole thing, right? You can test that when the button gets clicked, you could validate that the right request was sent. You could validate the correct response came back. You could validate that the the you know if it was successful, it went to the the the, the correct new route, like you said, with an interceptor, and it, it it you know state is changing and and all those things. Like you can validate all those things, but like at a component level, you know, okay, so it's like technically you could you could unit test your components the same way you unit test with component testing because when you mount a component, it's it's returns eventable, so you can then basically do dot then on the end of the mount and it gives access to the component. So all like the class, you get that, that instance, you get public methods, properties, all this type of stuff. So you could technically like, you know, interact, like try to unit test like the, in I've seen a lot of people do this and this is where it gets confusing and people are like, well, how do I test this? It's like, you know, those are the times, like those are almost always like, uh, you know, like a, like a code smell for like component testing or like a good example is like a react or something where it's like, oftentimes like you use like set state or something like that. Or it's like, oftentimes we, we want to set state. We're like, like how we would unit test something. We're like, I want to set the state and then I want to like click the button and then make sure that the state value got incremented or something like that. Well, it's like you, you wouldn't really want to do that. You'd want to click the button with component testing and make sure that the value that got incremented displayed incremented on the screen because like that's the thing really that users care about so it's not necessarily like there isn't like a, a i don't have like a, a diagram that's like in this instance do this this instance do that but i would just say like try to step back and and always ask like when you're component testing um or really when you're when you're using cypress at at really in any level of testing is ask like you want to test and make assertions as close to the user as possible so the less, the more you can avoid like reaching into your code and like, you know, checking for specific implementations, the better it's going to be and the less flaky it's going to be over time because inevitably, you know, our code's going to change, requirements are going to change. And um, those things are less likely to trickle to the user. And really the tests are meant to basically guard the user, right, from catch any things that do trickle that far up so so yeah i think that i don't know if that really answers your question but i think in the end like that's the thing that we want to we want to really uh you know assert against right and those are the types of like app quality things that we we really want to uh avoid and and focus on for the listeners i wish you could have seen the sort of devilish grin that Jordan gave as he was explaining how the mount was venable and you could get access to the underlying class definitely seems like something that you would want to use modestly uh, yes. and, and only where necessary, but, uh, yes, wonderful. So 
that, you know, a lot of apps these days are using some form of global something, right? This used to be global state management through tools such as Redux or NGRX. I think there are other tools nowadays which are more cross-cutting. Um, and, you know, when you try to think about cutting a certain component slice of that out, it's very difficult to think about doing that. Um, and so how does uh, Cypress component testing deal with these? I know earlier you were talking about some of the Redux support that, that's in there now, but how for people that are like, okay, well, my component does touch everything globally through, you know, whatever library, how, how do they approach that in, in this, in this system? Yeah. So if, if like one of my favorite, uh, I would say like ways of architecting, I'm not actually a big fan of like parent, uh, like parent child, like type relationships and components. I try to avoid them as much as possible. And you can do that quite a bit with, um, with what I like to call smartish components. They're like a little smarter than dumb, but they're not smart components. Uh, and the idea is like you, you, you basically uh, flow state out via like actions or dispatch actions into like a, a, a Redux store and state comes in via selectors, uh, selecting state out of, out of those stores. But uh, in those instances, like, you know, for the most part, when we do architecture um, and we, move the logic essentially out of our out of our uh, components we really don't have a huge need to unit test right but i would say like it's still really valuable to unit test your 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 redux stores right because like you you know components are great but they're isolated and like you could have state from all throughout the app that's getting updated like from different actions and different components and and things like that so that's where like Unit testing is really easy to test, uh, you know, your, your, your reducers and your selectors and, and even effects and things like that. Um, because those are pure functions, right? Like those things are, are very easy. They have one way in, they have one way out, and it's very easy to write tests for those things. And those are still valuable because like I said, those things can change from multiple ways. Like if you're using good action hygiene, only you're not reusing actions, but you know, one action from one use from like one instance could affect the same piece of state that another action, uh, you know, ch ch uh, basically affects. So that's where it's like, you want to make sure that the, the isolated instances of your reducers and your selectors that you feel confident as a developer, those the, like, those are what I, I believe those are viable tests, but beyond that, like for the most part, um, I love that with, component testing specifically is then you just mount like when you mount your component you just provide the actual the actual like implementation of the stores like the production store themselves so if you have it broken down by slice or however like if you're using angular it's going to be probably like a store module or a feature slice module that implements the store module uh that for feature or something like that um or like if it's you know React, you're gonna have like some context or or uh, or or hook or something that you would wrap your mount function in. But the idea is like you're you know you don't really have to think about the way you would with a unit test where you have to like mock all the things. It's just like it's just simpler. You're just going to use the actual providers dependencies you normally would, and then just leave the unit testing to the the stores and leave everything and like let component tests just handle like 
it's good like to still test like, hey, I want to make sure that this action got dispatched because if you have unique actions, you want to make sure that, you know, like if that action changes, you probably want to know, right? So you want to, you could spy on that specific action getting called, uh, dispatch or something like that. But, but for the most part, you want to make sure when you click this button, when you interact with this form, that the, the side effects from a user standpoint are the things that you really want to test. Pivoting to some other things that have been released recently, you know, one of the things that y'all said in your uh, year in review for 2022 is that Cypress had a 50% year over year growth in weekly downloads. I think earlier you alluded to it, maybe crossing 5 million here soon. And I mean, absolutely amazing. I think, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that some of the things which have traditionally limited the growth of Cypress, uh, the fact that it was sort of branded as only supporting Chrome, mm. uh, and the fact that uh, you know things like authentication could sometimes be very difficult if you use some sort of third-party remote authentication provider. You know, now we have cross-origin support in Cypress. We have much more browser support, including the uh, the beta or whatever the evaluation form of WebKit support. How exciting for you and for the team is it to start to see these traditional adoption blockers start falling one after another um you know how exciting is it to project out what might be all these new users coming into the the cypress space yeah you're right i mean 2022 was a year in which we were not only able to deliver component testing which was really like uh something we had been working on for several years um but also like we were able to really kind of we had quite a few bugs and feature requests that users have been wanting for a really long time and and cypress probably didn't do a good enough job admittedly like priority prioritizing that work um everything is a trade-off especially when you're a startup and you're doing open source uh you know work and stuff like that but for the most part i would say it's um uh, it was good in the fact that we were able to, to deliver like valuable things to users that they cared about they've been asking for a really long time which which I think is a huge win. But the other thing that it does is it really frees us up as a company to like put all those things that have been in the back of our mind for a long time behind us. And we're able to really focus on other ways we can provide value. And I think in 20, excuse me, 2023, you're going to really start to see some of those ways. And primarily you're going to see a lot of that via uh, Cypress cloud, which is, is, um, kind of the way Cypress makes money, uh, you know, Cypress is an open source tool and, but there's a, uh, the cloud essentially is a way you can paralyze tests. You can, it gives you a much deeper analytical uh, view of, of like what your app's doing, the parts your, your tests are failing, but we're, there's going to be a significant uh, improvement and you're going to see a lot of really valuable parts get added to that, which we're also uh, adding inside of the Cypress app itself. So those people that are Cypress cloud users um, are going to really see a lot of value in that, which is going to just really uh, get back to the initial question you asked me in that, in that like Cypress really sees itself as a, as an overall app quality tool. And so you're going to really get a better sense with Cypress cloud of, uh, you know, how, how healthy is my application? Uh, how confident do I feel like you know, when I make a, ch when I ship to production, I make changes, it's going to like have a, uh, a positive effect on our users, that kind of stuff. So those are the things that as much as anything, we're happy to release, you know, valuable features our users have wanted, but it really, 
you know, as much as anything else rele- uh, relieves that pressure from us so we can focus on some of the other things we, we've been really wanting to do. So, You know, one of the things that I love about Cypress is its UI, which was, was greatly uh, improved and overhauled this year as well. Um, I've honestly been surprised by the slowdown in sort of UI adoption across tooling, mm. uh, you know, across the industry. I, I've, I was inspired years ago by, by Vue UI, the, the Vue tool for scaffolding and executing products. And I just thought, you know, as an industry that's so committed to our command line, the power and the capability that they added through the UI was, was amazing. And you see that with Cypress. I mean, we were having a conversation uh, recently about what people have been able to create uh, just using the Cypress UI. Can you talk a little bit about what your philosophy is and what you're hoping to accomplish with this UI? I mean, obviously pleasing users, but you know, what are you trying to enable? Is this to to get a, a broader scope of people involved uh, that are able to use Cypress? Is it to create power scenario, power uh, use cases that maybe not aren't as possible strictly through a command line? Like, what is kind of your vision for what you're trying to accomplish there? Yeah, so I would say that the thing that at the end of the day, the thing that the magic of Cypress is the fact that it actually runs in the browser, which, you know, is something you can't say about really like any other automation uh, tool. And so it's important that we be able to run Cypress and queue it from a terminal because we need to run NCI, right? We need to make sure that like that the changes, the tests we're writing, like those are being run against, you know, changes constantly in CI, right? But I would say, the value is that like the most value you get from a developer or a QA person, whoever's writing tests is when you're actually opening the app, you're in the browser, like you get the develop, you get the, your console, uh, your developer tools, all the things that like make Cypress great are in the app. So it's like, we, we've tried to focus a lot of time on delivering features in our app itself and less about the CLI itself. Um, Admittedly, I'm a huge CLI fan. So like sometimes there's features like I would love that were were more baked into the CLI, but I would say it from a philosophical standpoint, I think that um, it makes a lot of sense why we, we've invested a lot of time into that and making the app better because in the end, um, it, you know, we don't see it as just like a test runner where you just you just execute some unit tests essentially and you want to make sure you get green dots at the end. We see it as like an overall app quality. It's something you use to build your 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 application as as you're you know developing. Like it's more than just a testing tool. So it's like we see the value in that it's open all the time. You're using it, and and so that's where we've really tried to you know p- put a lot of our effort into making that experience as as, as best as we can. So. Well, at some point, we're going to have to get you back in for another like three hour podcast to go through all the other amazing topics that we had to talk about. But, you know, we are coming up here on the end of our time. The way I like to end a lot of these is by helping people get involved that were inspired by this conversation. And I think some of the things that stood out to me uh, was the Cypress Learn platform, which I just found out about uh, while I was doing research here, which has some amazing courses free and ready to take right now. So if you've been waiting or not sure how to get into Cypress, I mean, a great way there. Uh, I saw in your guys' presentation, your Discord is huge, almost 6,000 members, uh, 70 new ambassadors uh, last year, and 87 new contributors to the open source libraries. I guess, I know I saw a little bit of your thunder right there, but can you kind of explain how people can get involved with what is a very large community of, of excited developers? Yeah, I mean, 
you, you mentioned quite a few there. I would say um, for the most part, the, the learn thing is one of the things I'm, I've been the most uh, excited about. Like from our standpoint, it's something our team has put out over the last year. And it's something that I think is really important because the way you write Cypress test is very different than the way you write pretty much any other code, right? It's very different. And so um, because of that, we basically are saying we have, like we do a lot of magic and we, and it's, which is, uh, you know, has trade-offs, but because of that, there's basically, we're saying we have a really strong opinion in, in the ways in which you should write tests and do things. Um, but though, like we, we get a lot, a lot of, uh, love about our docs and we have really thorough documentation. It's something we've always like put a big emphasis on, but I would say we haven't, uh, historically done a great job of like telling the telling everyone like th these are the best practices these are the way we recommend at cyprus you test test this type of thing right and so that's where the learn uh, learn.cypress.io um, is is really um i think really important for the community because it's a great tool for for people to learn uh maybe whether you're a seasoned person or the other thing that's great about cyprus is like i think it's a great like a lot of QA people, people that don't even like consider themselves developers can write uh, Cypress tests. It's it's not that difficult, I don't believe. And so I think that being able to teach people that maybe are like looking how they can like get into becoming a developer, like learning how to write Cypress tests, I think is a really good like entry into learning coding. And so like having a free resource that explains like, hey, this is how you can like how you get started, how you begin writing tests. Um, so that's a really good thing. Like you said, we have our Discord, which is very active. I would just say in general, like the the love for pe that people have for Cyprus is always really surprising. When I go to conferences, not surprising, but I always forget because like when you're working on a product, all you ever see is the the fault, the flaws, right? You see the things that you want to improve. But then like you go, I'll go to a conference and people will just be like, oh my gosh, Cypress, I love Cypress, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. People like really love this tool, right? And so I would just say in general, like we have an amazing, amazing community and um, I'm really excited to, you know, to just continue to see the community grow. We have a lot of ambassadors. Uh, we have, um, you know, lots of ways, uh, you know, you mentioned really most of them to be honest with you, but um, I'm always even myself personally, like I love if, if anyone has Cypress questions or, you know, uh, anything Cypress related, I'm happy to uh, to answer them directly. If, if, you know, anyone has questions, you can, you know, DM me or something. But yeah, for the most part, uh, you mentioned a lot of them. We had a really great year last year and and um, we've had a lot of great feedback from from, you know, just just the community. They, they've loved a lot of the, the features, like you said, we've released and uh, I'm excited. It's 2023 is going to be a great year. Wonderful. Yeah, it is really true. I mean, of of all the tools out there, uh, you know, Cypress users are some of the most just innately happy. I mean, they are just proud to tell you that they are excited about using Cypress. So uh, absolutely. So that is going to be it for us today. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this modern web podcast on Cypress. Thank you, of course, to our guest, Jordan. As always, we say the conversation does not stop here. You can find Jordan on Twitter at JordanPowell88. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-P-O-W-E-L-L-8-8. Are you doing Mastodon yet? I haven't gotten on it myself. No, no. I am going to be, I don't know what this airs, but I'm going to be at Codemash next week. Um, and um, 
which will probably be after the fact. So when this releases, but yeah, I'm not on Mastodon, but I'm on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn. So those are best ways to get a hold of me. There we go. As for me, you can find me online at RoboCell. For the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. Hope to see you all next time. Thank you. Come on. Come on, everybody. This podcast is sponsored by This.Labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot co slash labs for all of your friends and you